Amen. Well, good morning. We're going to be looking this morning at Colossians chapter 3, so if you have your Bible with you, I'd invite you to go ahead and turn there to Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. Uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, that's okay. You can look in the pew rack in front of you there, and uh, there should be a black uh, Bible that's just in the rack there, and you can find our passage this morning on page 984 in that Bible, 984. We're going to continue this morning in our study of uh, this letter of Paul's, and just to give us a little bit of a refresher as to where we are in the letter, uh, we're kind of dropping in this morning into the middle of an extended discussion uh, where Paul is talking about how the gospel of Jesus Christ affects every aspect of our lives together. It affects our lives personally, individually, as individual disciples of Christ, it it affects our life together corporately as a church. Uh, and next time we look at the book, uh, we're going to see how it affects our home life and our family lives. Paul said back in chapter 3, verses two, or verse 2, there that we have died. And because of the gospel, our lives are now hidden with Christ in God. And Paul goes on to say that we're to put to death Everything, because of the gospel, because of these truths, things like sexual immorality, impurity, evil desires, covetousness, and idolatry. Right? These are the old sinful clothes that we used to wear before we received the gospel by faith. Having put off this old life, he says in chapter 3, verse 10, we are now to put on this new life in which we are being daily renewed in Christ. So in our verses this morning, Paul's going to take a little bit deeper of a dive into this new life. These new Christ-like attributes that we are now clothed in because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And every single one of us as sinners who are trusting in Jesus' righteousness for us we are now being clothed by the work of the Holy Spirit in Christ's righteousness. And that's, that's the main thing that we're going to see this morning. So if you've found your way there, I want to invite you one more time, if you're able, uh, to stand with me as I read for us from God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word. Chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. Put on, then... As God's chosen holy ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so also must you forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you have been called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, 
giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You this morning for Your Word. We thank You for this opportunity that we have to gather, to sing, to teach, to admonish, to encourage. And Lord, we pray that Your Word would do that work among us this morning. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, for those of you who are parents, uh, perhaps of young children, or maybe you uh, can think back on the time uh, in which you raised young children, one of the responsibilities that we have as parents is to teach our children how to dress themselves in the mornings. Now, I don't know about you, but in my house, one of the slightly frustrating but mostly comical things that we go through particularly in in that toddler season, is when a child gets fixated on wearing their favorite outfit. You know that one set of clothes that they just have to wear. Maybe it's a costume. Maybe it's a favorite pair of sweatpants and a t-shirt. But that's a normal phase that we as parents have to endure, right? That is normal, right? I'm not the only one. I hope it's normal. It's normal. I mean, that favorite outfit can be absolutely nasty, sweaty, stinky, food-stained, threadbare. It doesn't fit them anymore. They've outgrown it. It's not even for the right season, right? But they still have to wear it. They still insist on wearing their favorite clothes. But part of our job as parents is to teach our little ones what it means to dress appropriately. Well, Paul says in these verses that living the Christian life is a little bit like being that toddler learning how to dress, learning how to put your clothes on. Now, I don't mean to be trivial or to oversimplify this, but it's, it's kind of true. Right? Scripture teaches us that Christians learning to be clothed in the righteous life that Christ provides for us uh, is part of what it is to grow in our faith. We're learning to take off the old, dirty, and stained clothes of our sin, and we're learning to put on the new, clean, pure, righteous, and holy, H-O-L-Y, not H-O-L-E-Y, clothes, that Christ provides for us. But what does this new life look like? Well, let's look together at what Paul says here. If you're taking notes, you're going to see there, uh, there's two points in the outline this morning. The first point is this that we are to acknowledge our own need of God's grace by extending grace to others. We're we're to acknowledge our own need of God's grace by extending grace to others. First thing I want you to notice here before we jump too deeply into this, I want you to notice the corporateness of this new life that we have in Christ. You notice here that Paul, he's not addressing individual Christians per se. He's addressing the church. And this is really clear in these verses. Just just let your eyes glance down over these verses really quick. In verse 12, Paul calls us chosen ones. Not chosen one, but chosen ones. In verse 13, we're to bear with one another. We're also to forgive one another. In verse 14, we're we're to put on love which binds everything together. Binds all these things together in perfect harmony. In verse 15, 
Paul says, you were called into one body. Now, this doesn't really translate into southern slang, but that you there is plural. It's y'all. Y'all, right? You're clothed in one body. You're called to one body. And then verse 16, Paul says that we are to teach and admonish and sing to one another. We've seen this before, and I've preached on this before, but the Christian life is not a life that is lived in isolation. The Christian life is a life that is lived within the body of Christ. The Christian life is a communal life lived within the church. That's why being a member of a local church is so important. How can you rightly obey these verses apart from being connected to the local, physical body of the church? Well, secondly, let's, let's look here at these virtues, these new clothes that we are to put on. Now, in, in these virtues in verse 12 here that are listed, uh, these are contrasted uh, with what Paul wants us to put off back in verse 8 of chapter 3. Pastor David covered those last time. These virtues, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. These are not just merely you know, positive attitude traits that we're to muster up in our own power. But these, you compare that, these with what we read earlier in Galatians chapter 5, these are fruits of the Spirit. These are evidences of the Holy Spirit that, are, that is at work, who is at work in our hearts. So to put on this new self right, is to acquire from the Holy Spirit the character of Christ, right, who is generous and gracious, who loves us and who disciplines us in His purity. But this is not something that we do for ourselves. This is not something, putting on these character traits is not something that we do for ourselves. This new life is something that God does in us. Our new identity as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, guarantees, guarantees that our righteous standing before God in Christ is for all times. From the time we receive it by faith until the time that we stand before God Clothed in Christ. It's for all times. But it also guarantees that the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us is at work slowly and gradually changing us more and more into the image and likeness of Jesus. We're taught here that this ongoing work of sanctification by grace through faith comes about as we learn to listen to, to trust, and to obey God's Word. And the point here is that all of these righteous virtues that are listed in verse 12, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, these are all works of grace. It's not something that you do to earn favor or to merit your salvation. These are all works of grace in what Christ has already done in us. Next, I want us to see that these new clothes, these Christ-like attributes, they're not merely for our own good, but the Spirit is at work in our hearts to 
extend the same grace that we've all received to other members of the body. So, so Paul goes on to say here in verse 13 that we are to bear with one another and that we are to forgive one another just as Christ forgave us. You notice there in, in verse 13 that as we put on these new clothes, we are both to bear with one another and to forgive one another. Now, every single one of us who are here, no, longer, no matter how long you've been a Christian, we're still like that toddler who's learning to get dressed in the morning. Right? Now, let, let's say your toddler gets up in the morning and says, Mommy, Daddy, can I wear my favorite clothes today? And you say, No, sweetheart, you've worn those clothes for the past three or four days in a row now. Those clothes are in the laundry. They're getting clean. So today I want you to wear these nice, new, clean clothes. Then inevitably, your child starts to cry. Maybe they start to pitch a little bit of a fit. What good is it as a parent in that moment to throw your hands in the air and to start throwing your own full-blown adult-sized fit? It doesn't do any good because at the end of it, there you'll be both still needing to get dressed. Well, brothers and sisters, sometimes we as Christians can be so impatient with each other. We can be so short-tempered and unforgiving and ungracious to our brothers and sisters in Christ that we're just like that parent who throws their hands up and we're just like that child who pitches the fit because he can't wear his favorite outfit. What's called for in this situation, when one has a complaint against another, Paul says, is that we must bear with one another we must patiently bear with our fellow Christians because we know at some point in time we're going to need them to bear with us. Friends, every church, every single church, this one is not excluded, is made up of people that we will find ourselves in close fellowship with, people who are very different than we are. Different temperamentalities, uh, different likes, different personalities. And Paul is saying here, for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of maintaining gospel community, sometimes we have to bear with one another. Sometimes we have to put up with each other. Not only are we called to kindly and humbly, patiently bear with one another, we're also called to extend forgiveness to one another if we've been wrong. So Paul says there at the end of verse 13, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. All right, so just like Jesus forgave you of your sins, in that same way, you are to forgive others when they sin against you. The word forgive here is an act of grace. It's an act that's freely offered, but it's never deserved. Forgiveness is always freely offered, but it's never deserved. Finally, here we see Paul's main concern for the church is for the church's unity. Right? As we bear with one another, as we love one another, as we extend grace to one another, as we forgive one another, Paul says the peace of Christ will rule in our hearts. The peace of Christ will rule in our fellowship and will protect our unity. God's grace 
and the church's unity are both things for which we should give thanks. One commentator says this, Believers who are full of gratitude to God for His gracious calling will find it easier to extend to fellow believers the grace of love and forgiveness and to put aside petty issues that might inhibit the expression of peace within the church. So what about you this morning? Have you received this gospel of grace? Are you clothed in Christ's righteousness? I've never in my life attended a black tie event. I've never been invited to one. I've never had occasion to go to a black tie event. But just imagine for a second if I was invited to a really fancy event and I had to wear a tuxedo. Just throwing this out there, I don't own a tuxedo. I don't own one. I, don't, I have no reason to own one. I don't know if you guys do or not. Uh, but, but let's say for just a second that I couldn't afford to buy a tuxedo. Couldn't afford to rent a tuxedo for whatever event I'm going to. I don't even know what you wear a tuxedo to anymore. But a really generous friend loans me his tuxedo. Right? He, he, he loans it to me. And imagine if my friend not only loaned me that expensive suit, but he gave it to me. Well, brothers and sisters, that's exactly what God has done for us in the gospel. He has given to us. He has clothed us in the righteousness of his own son. And God did this at his own expense, right? It was very expensive, but it's free to you. You see, Jesus swapped places with you. He died on the cross and suffered your punishment that you deserve for your sin so that we can have access to his banquet, clothed in his holy life. Now, if that friend gave me that expensive tuxedo, I, I, I wouldn't take that tuxedo and then put it on over my dirty jeans and my sweaty t-shirt. Right, first, I would, I would take off those old, dirty clothes before I put on the new ones. Well, friends, when you become a Christian, God accepts you in Christ's righteousness. He doesn't want you to carry on sinning without repentance. We are saved completely by His holiness. And we're saved to a new standard, a new way of living. So what about you? Are you trying to earn your standing before God? Clothed in your own works of righteousness? Do you think that maybe your good works can save you? Well, if that's you this morning, you should know that the Scripture says to you that your best works of righteousness are like filthy rags. But the good news is, is that Christ offers you His righteousness to be received by faith. So trust Him today. Well, let's look at point two together. Point two in your notes, there's a call to respond to this good news here. Point two we're to respond to God's grace by worshiping Him. We're to respond to this grace that we've received, these new clothes that we've been clothed in. We're to respond to that by worshiping Him. Paul said that the peace of Christ must rule in our midst, and now here he says that the Word of Christ is to dwell within us richly. I look down at verse 16. He says, let the word of Christ 
dwell in you richly. Well, this word of Christ that Paul is talking about here is the gospel. It's the gospel message of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection for us. Right? Brothers and sisters, the gospel is the message that we gather around. The gospel is the thing that we have in common. That's why we're here. The gospel message of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection for us, for the forgiveness of our sins, is the center of our life together. And friends, if we lose the gospel, or if we substitute that gospel for another gospel, then we lose the church. We're no longer the church. And Paul tells us in what follows how we are to take that gospel message and put it at the center of our worship and fellowship. Now there's three words that are important here that I want you to notice in the text. Three different ways that we're to have the word of Christ dwell within us richly. You see them? Teaching, admonishing, and singing. Interestingly enough. Teaching, admonishing, and singing. Let's, let's take the first two together. Right? The first two of these together. I want you to notice three things about the ministry of teaching and admonishing. Right? So what's the difference between teaching and admonishing? Well, I think here uh, that teaching is a positive aspect of our ministry together. Right? When we teach one another, we hold out God's truth and wisdom and we call one another to live in obedience to what God's Word says. Similarly, but a little bit different, admonishing is, is kind of the negative aspect of our ministry towards one another. We admonish one another, we warn one another about the dangers from straying away from God's truth. Just like we don't let our toddlers out of the house this morning wearing those ill-fitting, nasty, dirty clothes, so we don't let our brothers and sisters in Christ stay in their sin-stained clothes anymore. By the way, Paul says in this letter, back in verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 28, he says that this, right, is the very center of his ministry. Look back at chapter 1, verse 28. Paul says, Him we proclaim, warning or admonishing everyone, and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone Mature in Christ. So three things in these verses I want you to notice about teaching and admonishing. The first thing is the who. Who should teach and who should admonish within the church? Well, certainly, right, this is part of the biblical calling of pastors. Pastors are called to teach and admonish. Paul says in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, this saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer or pastor... He desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, and able to teach. But notice here in Colossians 3.16, Paul says that we are to teach and admonish one another. One another. So in other words, it's not just the job, it's not just the ministry of the pastors to teach and admonish. It's the call of every believer within the church to teach 
and to admonish. Yes, God does give the church pastors to teach and to preach. But to some extent, he extends this responsibility to everyone. The second thing is the what. So that's the who. All of us are called to teach and to admonish. The second thing is the what. What should we teach? Well, it's simple here in the, in the text. He says we proclaim him. We proclaim Christ. We teach the gospel of Jesus Christ to one another. And where is it that we learn about that gospel? What's well, in the Bible? Right? I, I cannot overemphasize that the Bible is for everyone. It's for everyone. It's not a book for elitist people or those who hold seminary educations. This book is for you to read and to know and to obey and to teach to other people. So we teach him. We proclaim him. We proclaim the gospel as it's revealed to us in the Bible. Thirdly, I want you to see the why. <coughs> why are we called to teach and admonish one another? I think Paul answers that question for us well in chapter 1, verse 28 that we just read. So that we can present every person mature in Christ. But did you know, brothers and sisters, that one day we will all give an account to God for one another? Do you know you're responsible for each other in the church, in the eyes of the Lord? This ought to be our driving goal as a church to struggle and to work hard together to present every person, every member complete in Christ. Well, the next thing Paul says here is that we're to sing to one another. We teach and we admonish. And then he says here that we're to sing to one another. Did you realize that's a commandment in Scripture? It's a commandment that when we gather together that we sing to one another. It, it sounds kind of strange, right? Uh, you know, when we gather together for worship, we're commanded in the Bible to sing, right? We, we don't do that out of tradition, uh, nor we do it out of some sense of performance or entertainment. That's not what it's for. The songs that we sing on Sunday morning, they're not for your entertainment or my entertainment. It's a command in Scripture. We sing together every Sunday because God commands us to do it in His Word. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, <clears throat> verses 17 through 19, very similar passage of Scripture here. He says, Therefore don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Understand God's will for your life. He says, don't get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery. But instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. So don't, God's will for you is that you not fill yourself up with, with wine, but to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and what's the manifestation of us being filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, he says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord in your heart. Well, I want to ask the same three questions of this word singing as we ask of teaching and admonishing. So first, who? Who is commanded to, uh, to sing? Who is supposed to sing? 
Again, notice right there in the middle of verse 16, he says, singing to one another, right? That we are to sing to one another. That applies to teaching, it applies to admonishing, and it applies to singing. It's not just those who have the prettiest voices that are supposed to sing. It's everybody. But Pastor Nick, you don't understand. (laughs) I don't have a good singing voice. Well, that's okay. That's okay because that's not the point. This isn't American Idol. It's not the voice, right? We're not going to stick a microphone in your face. That's okay. The point is that you are joining your one voice to all these other voices to affirm God's truth, to affirm the gospel about which we are singing, and to express your thankfulness to God for saving you. It's exactly what Paul says here. We sing not for our glory. We sing for His glory. So I don't, have, I don't care if you have a good voice or not. This command applies to you. You're to sing. Did you hear that? So the application is really simple. Sing. Sing when we sing. Next thing here, what? What are we supposed to sing? Well, Paul says right here in verse 16, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Now, there's all kinds of, you know, discussion around this and uh, this verse and also in Ephesians chapter 5. Well, what's the difference between a psalm and a hymn and a spiritual song? You have to sing all three every time you gather together. And I don't think that's the the point that Paul's trying to make here. He's not trying to distinguish between different styles of music. Like every Sunday we gather together, we need to sing a psalm, or we need to sing some hymns, we need to sing some praise choruses. Right? That that type of distinction seems to be reading too much into what Paul is is saying here. But here's the point. We are to sing songs about the gospel. That's what we sing. The content of our singing ought to be about the gospel. We are to sing all kinds of songs that remind us of the truth about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. Well, Pastor Nick, you don't understand. I don't like the music you pick every Sunday. Guess what? That's not the point. That's not the point. That's okay if you don't like it. There are songs that we sing that I don't prefer. There are songs that we sing that I really like. The point is not the style of the music. The point is the content of the songs that we're singing. So, so if you don't sing because you don't like the style, then maybe focus a little bit less on your entertainment and pay a little more attention to the truths that we're proclaiming together. And maybe you'll see That song's not half bad. Finally, the why. Why are we supposed to sing? Paul says here that our singing is an expression of the thankfulness that we have for God in our hearts. We sing out of thankfulness. We sing out of the overflow of our hearts. So are you feeling happy this morning? Feeling joyful today? Then sing. Are you feeling burdened? Are you feeling weighed down? Well, sing. 
And listen to your brothers and sisters singing truth to you and be reminded of God's care for you. You feeling particularly hard-hearted this morning? Distant from God? Well, then sing. And let your brothers and sisters around you let the truth that they're singing to you sink in and move your hearts a little closer to heaven. And finally here, I think the point of all of this, whatever we do, everything that we do here at our church, the point of all of this is to bring God glory. Look down at verse 17. It says, whatever you do, whatever you do, if it's word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Everything that we do as a church together, we do for His glory and not for man's. We do for His name and not for ours. So when we bear with one another patiently, we're doing that because God has bared with us and we're thankful for that. And so we do the same for others to bring Him glory. When we extend forgiveness and grace to one another, we're extending that same offer of forgiveness and grace that God has extended to us, and we're doing it for His glory. When we teach and when we admonish and when we sing to one another, Paul says that in every word and in every deed, it's to be done for God's glory and not for man. As I look at you guys this morning, I have to say, you all look really nice. You are. You are really nice. You're really nice people. And you look great this morning. You're put together. You've got on your Sunday clothes. But I wonder this morning, how are you really dressed today? Perhaps you're here this morning and you are worn out trying as hard as you can to be a good person, trying to earn God's favor, trying to tip the scales just a little bit more in your favor. If that's you this morning, the invitation of the Scripture is to lay that burden down and allow Christ to clothe you, to dress you in His righteousness. Because that's the righteousness you really need that's you this morning, I want to encourage you that your salvation, it does not depend upon your good deeds. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. So trust Him today. Perhaps you're here this morning and you're frustrated with somebody else sitting in this room. You're frustrated with them because they've sinned against you. You're frustrated with them because they haven't lived up to your standards. Well, the call of the Scripture to you today is to bear with one another in love. To forgive each other when we've wronged each other. So perhaps for you this morning, the way that you respond is that you need to pray and ask God to give you the grace to extend grace to that person. In just a moment as we come to our time of response, if that's you, I want you to take a minute and pray. Ask for God's help. And then after the service is over, go and be reconciled. Finally, Perhaps you're here this morning and you're not a member of this church or any church for that matter. 
And I want to impress upon you this morning the importance of being a part of the body of Christ from these verses. You can't live this Christian life on your own. You can't do it. You weren't meant by God to do it. So perhaps this morning you need to respond to this text by praying and asking God for wisdom about joining this body of believers or maybe joining another body of believers. So I want to invite you to stand now with me and I'm going to pray for us. And as the praise team (coughs) comes forward, I'm going to be down front here and we're going to sing about the gospel together and we're going to respond to God's word however it is that the Holy Spirit is leading to you to respond, but let's all stand together now and respond however the Spirit is leading. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for the way that it challenges us, the way that it uh, helps us to see who we are in Christ, the way that it holds out the hope of the gospel. And Father, I do pray this morning as we consider these words from Colossians, Lord, if there's anyone here who's never responded to the gospel, Uh, in faith, who's never trusted in Jesus and his perfect life and death and resurrection for them. Lord, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would show them their need for Christ and help them to respond. Father, perhaps there are those who are here this morning who need to be reconciled with one another. Lord, I pray for the grace that we need to pursue that peace of Christ, to let the peace of Christ dwell amongst us. And Lord, I pray for those Uh, who are here this morning, uh, perhaps who are weighed down with their sin, Lord, I pray that you would help them to see that you have clothed them in Christ's righteousness, that you've called them to a new way of living, and that by the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives, Father, that they can take off those old, sinful, ragged clothes and they can dress themselves in Christ's righteousness and see themselves for who they truly are and live in accordance with that. Lord, however it is that that you need us to respond to your word today, I pray that we would respond together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, let's sing together, and let's respond to God's word.